sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. In keeping in COVID tradition, we have two Monday night football games tonight, although really one is you could kind of call an afternoon Monday night football game, to be honest with you, because it's starting real soon, like four hours from now. Welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid. I'm Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizapia. And Joe, uh, two Monday night football games tonight. So I know that it's been a tough year for everyone, but at the very least, your football dreams have come true having these two games <laughs> back to back. I know, I'm getting all these Monday games, I'm getting the Tuesday games, it's great. Uh, but yeah, 5 o'clock football is a little weird. I mean, maybe we could get, uh, you know, just a little bit later start, but that's okay. I will take it. It's going to be a great matchup, too. Two guys are in the MVP conversation with Buffalo and Kansas City. Both teams coming off games where I think we could both agree those were upset games. Probably Buffalo should have won that football game or was those favored going into it. And we all know Kansas City was very much favored at home by more than two touchdowns against Las Vegas. So two teams in a big spot, MVP-style quarterbacks, coming off losses. I'm going to be glued to the TV. I don't know about everybody else. It sounds like a good time to me. Yeah, I'll try to catch as much as I can of both games. Always do. All right, let's take a look. It is Monday, and here are our headlines for our one o'clock hour of fantasy sports today. And we'll start off with a Monday night football doubleheader. As Joe mentioned, I, I thought it was honestly better last Monday night. They started one game at seven and then they pushed the other game back to like eight thirty, nine o'clock. And I, and I thought that's what we were headed toward. And then yesterday I noticed five o'clock Eastern, two o'clock Pacific. So, okay. I, I guess, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll try to catch as much as I can today. Got a lot of things going on, but yeah, I'll, I'll be in on that. Uh, I'll be definitely be in on the World Series. Game one is set for Tuesday night. Major League Baseball announced the times. Great job by them. Remember the old days of 8.30 starts in the World Series, 9 o'clock starts, 8 o'clock starts. No way. 7 o'clock, 7.30 Eastern. Good job by them getting those games in and out, letting kids watch the games. Novel concept. That's what will happen. Huh. Eagles running back Miles Sanders, MRI on his knee, and we're going to wait on that one. But I have to tell you that in looking at the NFL schedule this week and seeing Philadelphia play on Thursday night, you should be looking for some other options going into this week for sure. Steelers lose Devin Bush, great linebacker, to an ACL tear. We found out that Taylor Luan has an ACL tear and for the second straight year is going to miss some time. Of course, he was hurt and also, I believe, suspended at the beginning of last year, too. Legendary NHL announcer Doc Emmerich, who was great to watch on TV, he ends up retiring. So, Joe, I, I think as this day begins, uh, you know, the Sanders injury is going to be a crucial one. But, I mean, is Boston Scott a startable player in fantasy on Thursday mm. night? I know it's tough because of all of the injuries, but that's, that's where people are going to start, I guess, going into Thursday. I, I would find it hard to believe that someone's going to have an MRI on a Monday and then suit up on a Thursday, although stranger things have happened. I'm not going to rule anything out. Well, stranger things have happened, and there's certainly desperation for them to try to push the envelope if they can. But uh, if Boston Scott's startable, that's the question, because Boston Scott looked like he was startable at the beginning of the year, right? He looked like a good matchup on paper. I think it was Washington out of the gate. It was not a good performance from him. So I don't know. This is very difficult. I know the offensive line hasn't been good. That's the worry. Boston Scott, theoretically, is a flex guy. You could probably plug in there. 
But uh, I don't know, man. What's what we thought first couple weeks of the season when Miles Sanders was not 100%, and it did not go well for those of us who took those shots either in DFS or in our season-long league. So I'd be concerned. I'd also be concerned here for some of these uh, losses and injuries too, with Pittsburgh losing Devin Bush. It's a big piece there to lose. I mean, that defense is very good, and they look fantastic. I know we'll get more about the Pittsburgh Steelers later in this hour. But that is a big loss, something to understand here going forward. And look, Lou on again. To lose him for the year absolutely stinks there for the offensive line for the Titans. But like you mentioned, he had some issues where he missed time last year and they were able to overcome him. Let's see if the offensive line for the Titans can do that again here in 2020. And by the way, the voice of hockey, really, right? Doc Emmerich, is that not like the guy that kind of comes to mind? It's kind of a big deal in the voice of a sport. It's kind of like, I guess, the equivalent of Vince Scully when he calls it a day. Is that is that oh, hyperbole? Yeah. Is that like giving him too much? Or am no, I, right? I think that's I, I think that's I think that's fair. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's fair. And you're seeing those messages go out on Twitter today for sure. Uh, tomorrow night it will be the Rays and Dodgers, no doubt. Mookie Betts saved the Dodgers behinds a couple different times, jumping over the wall, including last night. He was asked last night about what this season has been like with no fans. Now with some fans being able to show up to these games, and just how different the 2020 NL pennant has been for them. I mean, obviously, it's different, you know, different circumstances. Um, but I know we haven't been we haven't been able to be around family, but I feel like, you know, this team is family. You know, we spend so much time together at the at the hotel here at the field. You know, nobody gets tired of each other. We're all laughing, joking. And, you know, I couldn't ask for a, a better group of guys that to, to call family, man. It's, it's, just, it's just been amazing uh, with these guys. And so going through this season with COVID and whatnot hasn't been so bad, you know, because I have these guys. Joe, I, I think the thing is, is that he does, you know, normally some guys talk in cliches. It's the same group of guys for the Dodgers with bets, basically. Like it's, it's the last few years. It's been this group. And, and I, and I look, the Dodgers are two to one favorites essentially to win the world series. They'll never be in a better position, Joe, to win the world series than this year. Honestly, they're in a great spot to do it. But the Rays are that pesky team that you know the games are going to be close. You know that the Dodgers aren't putting 16 runs up on Tampa Bay. And I think it could go either way. So, I mean, you sort of like want to see the Dodgers finally get over the top. But then who am I to say that the Rays don't deserve to be there? I can't do it. Yeah, I mean, if I was doing the hot take prediction right now, I would say Dodgers and six. Uh, that's just kind of what it feels like because I do think the Rays will be competitive and I would be shocked if the Dodgers would sweep them. But uh, the Dodgers right now are a better team because of Mookie Betts, not just offensively, but defensively too. The huge plays that he made have really, you know, changed that momentum in some of these games too. So it can't be discounted. He's been a huge addition. He's been worth every penny that they've been paying him and all the prospects they gave for him as well. So great job by the Dodgers making a game-changing move for a game-changing player. The top wide receiver in fantasy last week was Chase Claypool. How did he do yesterday? We'll tell you next. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
All right, welcome back. It's Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid. Fantasy or reality coming up a little bit later in the show as we go over some true or false questions at the end of every day. But before we get there, let's take a look back at the Steelers and Browns from Sunday in a game that really was not competitive from start to finish. It was ugly for Cleveland and very pretty for the Steelers. Ben Roethlisberger didn't need to do much. 22 passes, 162 passing yards, and a touchdown. They just kept handing the ball off to James Conner in this one. 20 carries, 101 rushing yards, and a touchdown. Claypool was not as heavily involved in the offense this week, but he did manage to catch 74 receiving yards and also rushed for yet another touchdown. And James Washington back on the map. Four receptions, 60 receiving yards, and a touchdown for him as well. So perhaps he's involved there. Juju Smith-Schuster, unfortunately, has been another big disappointment in fantasy this year, and I know he got hurt in that game yesterday. Now, in terms of Cleveland... The Browns uh, pulled Baker Mayfield out of this game. It just wasn't happening for him. 10 for 18, 119 passing yards, one touchdown, two picks. Keenum uh, came in and, and threw for 46 yards in the fourth quarter. Uh, this was probably Kareem Hunt's worst game of the year, I think, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. Oh, 40 yeah. rush yards, two receptions, 17 receiving yards for him. It just the, – the, ga- the, the game was basically over, and there was I don't think there was much of a need. He got shaken up early in the game, I noticed, too, and then came back in. Austin Hooper, five receptions, 52 yards for sure. But the story is, Joe, the Steelers. The Steelers just – it really was last year all about not having Ben Roethlisberger. And even though mm-hmm. Roethlisberger's numbers this season are not off the charts, they're definitely good enough to get it done. This is one of the few defenses in the NFL that looks pretty good. And they have new weapons that are coming alive for them. Claypool has has been a big reason. Claypool's becoming the number one receiver in Pittsburgh. That's that's a foregone conclusion at this point. Connor has actually looked really good. They're spelling him at the right times with Benny Snell. There's just a lot to like with Pittsburgh right now. You know, it's funny you said he's the number one. Uh, I don't know yet. I mean, that juju injury might make it so. We'll see what happens with that. But we were having a discussion on game day on Sunday. Is he officially already the wide receiver too after that game? And I think after this game, it's unequivocally yes. And I think he's probably a wide receiver two or, you know, high end three at the very least in fantasy going forward. And you're right. Roethlisberger hasn't been mind blowing. He's not putting up a 5,000 yard season this year, but just the capability of a, of a professional quarterback moving the chains, getting them in good spots, getting touchdowns, scoring points. That's the difference. This defense played phenomenally last year. Make if it's Patrick had that huge pick six in this game. He's had a couple of those since coming over from the Dolphins. He's played really well for this team. And this is a defensive team, first and foremost. Let's not forget that's the identity of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it's great for them to get back to that identity because last few years leading up to 2019, they kind of lost that. And a lot of my Steelers friends were a little worried about this game going in and rightfully so cleveland's been really good they were four and one riding high obviously i think pretty much that got shut down however i want to give a glimmer of hope here to all those cleveland folks out there or all those fantasy people who have a lot of shares of different players maybe even dearness johnson here's your next couple games coming up for the browns you ready for this they play the Bengals. That's a good matchup here. Uh, then they play the Raiders. They play the Houston Texans, both those games at home in Cleveland. Then they play the Eagles, the Jaguars, the Titans. That's a pretty good stretch there in terms of fantasy productivity. So, yes, this was a terrible game for the Cleveland Browns, but try to see the forest through the trees because we talked about last couple of weeks once Nick Chubb went down, oh, these next two matchups were bad for them, and they were. This is that clearing now. This is that opportunity to buy low on Odell. Maybe you could buy low on Landry, on, on Kareem Hunt, any of these guys, even Dearness Johnson. There's going to be opportunities for these guys to put a fantasy points in the next couple of weeks because none of the defenses I just listed I think can stop them. We'll see what Baker Mayfield is healthy or not, but 
he took a lot of abuse in this game. But then again, name me a quarterback that hasn't taken abuse from the Steelers this year, Craig, because they all have pretty much. Yeah, no, they they have played fantastic, and and the argument could be made for them to be playing right now the best football in the NFL for sure. Okay, let's close it out with the Falcons and Minnesota Vikings, and the uh, Falcons came to play. 30, uh, 30 of 40 for Matt Ryan, his best game of the season, 371 yards. He did have a better fantasy game this season, but it was in a loss. Uh, four touchdown passes for Matt Ryan. Uh, on the ground, uh, Todd Gurley, 20 carries, 47 yards, back to a pumpkin. He goes, three receptions, 20 <laughs> receiving yards. These are more or less the games that I expect him to have. Julio Jones, eight receptions, 137, back on the field, two touchdowns for him. Ridley, not his best game, but did enough to give you 20 fantasy points. Six receptions, 61 receiving yards, and a touchdown. You'll take it. Also, Hayden Hurst, I mean, awful defense at the end of the game by Minnesota. There was, yeah. I mean, they literally left Hayden Hurst uncovered, and the guy just, like, walked into the end and zone. And he was uncovered was last week, and Matt Ryan couldn't find him anywhere, if you recall, right? He was wide open in the end zone twice, couldn't find him. At least he finally found him this time around. But you're right, man, wide open for the – oh, just crazy. Yeah, that was crazy. Now, now this, this is the most misleading stat line in fantasy day you will ever see because <laughs> Kirk Cousins was as bad as any quarterback I've seen play this year and somehow ended up getting 25 fantasy points. I mean, that's ridiculous, but it's fantasy, not reality. 343 passing yards, three touchdowns, three interceptions. He had negative fantasy points in the first half. Think about that. Negative fantasy points. Jefferson, all all garbage time yards, 9 for 166 and two touchdowns. Thielen, a garbage time touchdown. Irv Smith, four receptions, 55 yards. So what is the moral of the story here? There's a couple of things. The first is, is that you can close your eyes and take your money to the window and bet on a team when they, when they fire the coach because the next week they win. And this has now happened two weeks in a row. Houston last mm-hmm. week, Atlanta this week. If it would happen to Adam Gase, I take the Jets next week too. Ooh, oh, that's, oh, that's, easy. Let's not push let, this too far. I would do that. I would do it. That's what? lesson number one. Lesson number two is that we have another entry into the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes without a doubt in the Minnesota Vikings. Unequivocally, mm. they are right there for the taking here. This is it for Cousins, Joe. I'm sorry. This is it. He ain't gonna oh, get past this. Apologize year. to me. At the, at, the very, at the very least, they're drafting a guy for the future. I mean, even if it's not the number one pick overall, they'll find somebody else. I, I, I look again with taking and, and we did in the super contest to taking the Falcons and taking them everywhere. Blind betting is not something that I advise, but the trend does smell very much like this happens in the NFL. You're hitting a like 65% rate. It's just insane when they fire the coach. I don't, for whatever reason, the, the players are like, oh yeah, it was him. It was not, it's not us. It was him. And they show up. I, I don't know why that happens. But Minnesota, wow. Mm. Like this is the big disappointment in the NFL this season. Not just playing bad, playing awful. Yeah. And if the Jets, by some miracle, pull off two wins... It's not impossible. Look, again, Miami, we were sitting here last year thinking they were not winning a game. Mm-hmm. If the Jets pull off one win or two, maybe Darnold comes back, starts playing well, maybe P. Ryan's okay, all of a sudden the Jets end up winning two out of the next ten. It's possible. And the Minnesota loses them all. Minnesota ends up with the number one pick. And I got to tell you, I'm feeling that. I feel like Minnesota is, Ooh, is going to you're feeling Minnesota. Look at I, you. I don't think Minnesota's getting better, Joe. I, I don't think they're getting better. They looked terrible yesterday no excuse uh yeah look uh, i don't have much here to to contribute past that uh, you're not wrong and and if they don't 
have an opportunity to pick first overall or get a quarterback that high. Maybe it is somebody else like a Sam Darnold or somebody like that that you take a shot on. Or maybe, maybe. Carson Wentz is available out there potentially to be had at a trade. Who knows where things are going here in this ever-moving NFL season. But I, I think from a fantasy standpoint, I don't care that it's garbage time. It's great to see Jefferson getting the looks he's gotten. I got to say, it's been so much better than I could have possibly even fathomed for Jefferson going forward here. He's been really good uh, in the last four weeks or so. And I think that's something that you feel really good about going forward with him, no matter how bad the Vikings are. Thielen will still get some points here. But it's crazy to me, I think, when you look at what Minnesota has not done at home this year. And I think that's the the big takeaway. There's no crowd. And that is one building that was incredibly loud. It was one of the few real home field advantages. And I think when you take that away, you kind of see that this defense maybe wasn't that good. And all of a sudden, maybe it was more just the energy in the building and the difficulty of hearing the snap count, and all the other things that would go on with opposing offenses in that building. And now when you remove that, I think this is probably the team that I would circle and say, no fans has hurt the Minnesota Vikings the most. And if you look at how they performed at home this year, especially defensively, I think that's a big part of it. But look, there's no excuse for Kirk Cousins. You're right. I think this might be the end for him in Minnesota. Yeah, Falcons defense is not good. They should not have been struggling that much in the first half. Alexander Madison, by the way, a massive one-week bust as well. Want to make sure I get that in there. We'll have more on fantasy sports today. Bucks and Packers coming up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. A battle of two quarterbacks headed to Canton, Ohio, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers in a game that wasn't particularly close. In fact, if you watch the first five minutes of the game and shut it off, you may have thought, wow, Packers blew them out. But definitely not the case as the Buccaneers defense came up huge in the first half and essentially Tom Brady ended up doing the rest. Brady in the game on Sunday, 17 of 27, 166 passing yards and two touchdowns. Rob Gronkowski got involved in this game with five catches, 58 yards as well. Ronald Jones, 23 carries, 113 yards, two receptions, for eight yards and two touchdowns. Chris Godwin was quiet. Unfortunately, Mike Evans was even quieter than that. He's got to be hurt. I don't, I don't know what's going on with him, but uh, he did nothing in this game, and and certainly it was all about Tampa Bay's defense. So if you played them on FanDuel, or if you have the Bucks' defense in your season-long fantasy league, you ended up getting a lot of points there. On the Green Bay side of things, Aaron Rodgers had his toughest day of the season. 16 of 35, 160 passing yards, two interceptions. He was harassed by everyone on the defense all day long. Uh, Aaron Jones ended up scoring a touchdown, which salvaged something for your fantasy day, maybe 10 to 15 points there. But Devontae Adams, super quiet. Six receptions, 61 yards. And Joe, it was was just the momentum completely changed once the first pick six happened. And then once Rodgers threw a second interception from that point forward, it never looked like Green Bay had a chance in this game. No, he threw that pick six, and it was like he started seeing ghosts. And that's not what we're used to with Aaron Rodgers, right? This is Hall of Fame Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and a couple of times he did try to force the ball a little bit to Vontae Adams, but I guess at a certain point he didn't have much choice with the way things were going. I wish they would have thrown the ball a little bit more to Aaron Jones maybe. That could have been something to change things a little bit. But look, I want to give all credit to the pass rush of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They did a fantastic job with putting pressure on Rodgers. 
getting physical with Rodgers. It made him make bad decisions, and it threw the whole game off. And if you look at the stat line from Tampa, look at Tom Brady line, the Godwin line, even the Gronk, you're like, oh, this must have been a loss for them, right? Because it wasn't a really good offensive day for the Bucs. It really wasn't. They took advantage of what the defense really gave them. And this win is from the defense. I, I know Tom Brady had a couple good throws in good spots, and I want to give him some credit for that. It was great to see a little Gronk renaissance. It was really fun to relive, you know, 2004 again. Yeah, yeah right. But, I mean, at the same time, it's it's like, I don't know, man. Like, not 2004. It's a little too far back. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's been a long day. But, anyway, when you're looking at things going on here, you're in a spot here where this is a big win for Tampa coming off a loss with the Bears. A good, good showing here from Ronald Jones, where I think that backfield is his now. Forget it. Like, don't don't even worry about it. But please, I'm going to say it one more time, nice and loud for everybody to hear. If you weren't listening last week, trade away Mike Evans. This is it. I'm telling you, these perpetual hamstring injuries have really been his undoing for the last year or so. It's always the same injury. It's why you see the yards per catch down so much. It's why you see him getting the ball at the goal line. Those couple touchdowns he has, right? Remember that stat line a couple weeks ago where he had two receptions for two yards and two touchdowns? It's because he doesn't have that burst because he can't get going anymore, and this is a problem right now. But the stat line still looks good overall. You could sell off of that maybe one more week. After that, I don't know. Big win for the Bucks. Terrible showing for Green Bay. Coming off a bye. Craig, I, I don't know. I, I guess I shouldn't be shocked because it was uh, basically a pick game like you said. But this is Aaron Rodgers, right? This is supposed to be what Hall of Fame quarterbacks show up there and overcome adversity. And there was a lot of adversity for him in this game, but it feels like he just shut down and the Green Bay Packers just shut down with him. Yeah, and again, it's a disappointing result if you took Green Bay and, and in the Super Contest, we took him as well. But the reality is, again, it's a pick game and anything goes in those sort of games. And so it's like it, nothing. It would never surprise me that the Bucks won. It wouldn't have surprised me the Bucs won 51 nothing. You know, things happen like that in games. You expect a closer game. But Packers had their one blip. If they win four in a row, we'll look back. We won't even remember this game that they played. All right, Miami took on the New York Jets. It was over quick. That was It was a very quick death, I guess, if you're a Jets fan, that's for sure. <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick, 18 for 27, 191 passing yards. He threw three touchdowns. He threw a couple picks, and then it was two a time. They gave two a tag of Aloha. His first opportunity completed both of his passes for nine yards, so – Maybe this is the beginning of two a time, although with the way the Dolphins are playing, I think you got to push that back a little bit. Miles Gaskin, good on the ground again, 18 carries, 91 yards, four receptions, 35 yards. He's been a great surprise for the Dolphins. Preston Williams had a touchdown in 18 yards. And then Adam Shaheen, I, I live in South Florida, so I know who he is, but I didn't think that he was any, a player that ever would score a touchdown in a game, and he did. Three receptions, 51 yards and a touchdown. But clearly, at least here in South Florida, what everyone is talking about is the debut of Tua Tagovailoa. And after the game, when everyone was gone from Hard Rock Stadium, Tua went back on the field and sat on the field alone in a completely empty stadium to relish in the moment, and he was asked why he did it. Uh, so I couldn't really remember where we ended our drive at, so try to sit close to where we ended our drive at and uh, I ended up FaceTiming my parents because they couldn't be here. Um, so I, that's usually how it goes. I usually talk to my parents, um, you know, after the game. Um, and my parents usually never miss my game. Um, so that's what I did. I went out there and um, I, I talked to them. And I think that, Joe, it's a nice story for sure to see Tua get involved in the game. But the way that Miami is playing right now, Fitzpatrick is definitely the guy. Uh, 2021 will come, and I think Tua is going to 
get his first opportunity game one out of the box. But at this point, with the way that Fitzpatrick is playing and the way that Miami is playing, I think that we're just going to have to wait. Yeah, you're probably right right now as things are uh, heading in that direction at the very least. Devontae Parker also left this game with an injury, so keep that in mind. If Preston Williams is still available on your waiver wire, I would pick him up. Um, I understand it hasn't been huge stat lines, but he's catching touchdowns. I think that's three touchdowns in the last three games for him. So it's not only, you know, not like a big day where he's catching 10 balls for 120 or something like that. But if he keeps catching touchdowns, especially in standard leagues, it's something to keep an eye on. And it's weird because they basically, you know, got up and then, were cruise control the rest of the time. So I didn't really have to push the ball very much. Didn't have to do a lot. Gaskin, another good game for him statistically. Um, Jordan Howard is is a non-factor, obviously, with his injury. And Matt Breida really didn't do anything either. So uh, it's on to the Jets, I guess, and whatever's left of their stat line. All right, so Joe Flacco is is playing out his career here with the Jets. It's it's just really unfortunate for him that this is what he's got to go through. But, look, he's getting millions. He's got a job, right? 186 passing yards and an interception. Frank Gore got the lion's share of the carries. We saw P. Ryan play a little bit. Not enough to show up here, though. 11 carries, 46 yards, still four yards to carry from Frank Gore. He'll probably play again next year somewhere, is my guess. Brashad Perryman finally back in action. Four receptions, 62 yards for him. And Jamison Crowder, uh, again, in a PPR league, 11, 12 points, I don't know. In this day and age of the fantasy craziness of, of team scoring 150, this is probably not a game that you can have from Crowder. You probably need a little bit more. So, I mean, I have nothing else to add on the Jets. It's a complete disaster, no, clearly. Just- and it's just the it's, just, it's the lowest game for Crowder. I mean, Crowder's been really good. This was kind of the bad game for him. And, you know, I mean, <laughs> I don't know what else you could say about this. Although I do think I just saw Joe Flacco still running down the New Jersey Turnpike. He was running so far in that one play. Yeah. Was he took like a, a 28 yard loss he took on that one play? I mean, just, yeah. just get rid of the football or something. I don't know, man. He just kept running and turning and running and turning. And I think he got off somewhere at exit 16 on the Turnpike. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, very, very sad state of affairs for the Jets. But again, maybe better news coming next week. I think Sam Darnold gets back in. But we'll uh, talk to Dr. Chow about that tomorrow. Okay, now to the 49ers and Rams. And guess what? Hey, the 49ers showed a lot of resolve and showed up in a big way on Sunday Night Football. Jimmy Garoppolo looked great. 23 of 33, 268 yards and three touchdowns. Raheem Mostert, until he got hurt, looked good too. 17 carries, 65 yards and that's It looks like that's the thing now with Mostert. It's hard for him to stay on the field. George Kittle, seven receptions, 109 yards and a touchdown. Beautiful game from a tight end. That's exactly what you're looking for. Debo Samuel now more involved a little bit, so that's a good sign. Six receptions, 66 yards and a touchdown. And Brandon Ayuk, the rookie, had a touchdown, didn't do much else. On the side of the Rams, this is the perplexing one because Jared Goff didn't look great. Daryl Henderson did look pretty good. 14 carries, 88 yards. But they just had a hard time finding their receivers in this game. Only mm-hmm. three catches for Higby, two for Reynolds, four for Woods. And I know they both scored touchdowns, but it was a disappointing performance there. And on Thursday, Sean McVay, uh, Joe, told the media that Cam Akers was going to be the guy mm-hmm. going into this game. I, I don't. I didn't even see him on the stat sheet. So I guess it was like a complete <laughs> lie. Like he's I don't know, like, a, like was it a blatant lie. Like I mean, I can't tell crazy. you how frustrated I was by this game. You know, San Fran got out early. Good job by Garoppolo rebound after getting pulled last week. So I give him a lot of credit there. I still think there's a lot of warts when it comes to Jimmy Garoppolo at the quarterback position. But again, that's that's my opinion that comes from the evaluation of watching and grading him. You know, as that's my job as a fantasy analyst, right? But the inconsistency 
of the Los Angeles Rams is maddening. I finally bought back in last week, if you recall, right? I said, hey, this was a great game for the Rams. They beat up on Washington. They're supposed to beat up on Washington. They finally look consistent here two weeks in a row. Okay, good. And then this game. And here we go. We're back to square one. Cooper Cup looked terrible in this game. He dropped some balls there, including a touchdown. Uh, Jared Goff did not play well. Daryl Henderson was good. Okay, fine. But then what are we doing here? Like, is it Cam Akers' backfield? Is it Henderson's backfield? It is so frustrating to look at the Rams because every time you think you've got them figured out and every time you start to feel good about them, all of a sudden, boom, it goes south. And then you don't feel confident. You sit guys on your bench or you stay away from them on FanDuel and they have big games. I still like Robert Woods going forward. That's that one piece where I feel pretty good about him, even though he was a non-factor in this game too. I don't know, Craig. I don't know what to say about the Rams, except they are infuriating. And this was a huge game for them because you were basically getting San Francisco at their possibly lowest point, coming after all the injuries, pulling Jimmy Garoppolo last week. Everything was going south for the 49ers. This was your opportunity to kind of stick the dagger in a little bit in this division, and they couldn't do it. And I don't know if they're going to regret it. My guess is they are as the season goes on, that this was a game on that schedule at this time where they could have gone in and beaten San Francisco and they fell woefully short. So good job by the 49ers. Very concerning though for Mostert. So keep an eye on that one. We might be back to McKinnon yeah. next week. Yeah, for sure. And and look, I'm a Mostert owner, no doubt. But look, the Rams are still in a really good spot. I and mean, don't let your frustration <laughs> wear off on the Rams. I mean, maybe I'm you're frustrated. just a fade on the Maybe you're a fade on the Rams. I mean, we all have teams that we can't we can't predict. Maybe the Rams are your kryptonite. <laughs> all right, fantasy reality is coming up next. Stay tuned. We'll have it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Before we jump into fantasy or reality, let's give you a quick update on the Philadelphia Eagles. As we've been talking about earlier in the show, Miles Sanders did have an MRI. And although they haven't released the information on that, ESPN is reporting that he'll miss Thursday night's game and potentially the following week's game. But Thursday seems to be the one that he would miss. So those people who have Boston Scott on their fantasy teams, certainly there's an opportunity there to play, although he has been no sure thing when he's gotten the opportunity. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, but, Joe, really the key one here, I think, is for people who drafted Zach Ertz in the first four rounds of a fantasy football draft or maybe the first five, five rounds. He may not have been the number one tight end off the board or maybe not even number two, but if you took Ertz in a fantasy league, certainly you've gotten nowhere near what you thought the production would be with him and Carson Wentz. They haven't been on the same page all season long. But on top of that, that's a huge miss when you take a tight end in the first five rounds because – you're basically sacrificing another position with the idea that, hey, my tight end is going to be better than your tight end on a weekly basis. Uh, unfortunately, because of ineffectiveness and because of now this injury, at the end of the season, I have a feeling we're going to be looking back and looking at Ertz as one of the bigger busts in fantasy this year. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, the relative position value this year in the Black Book was not good for him. Uh, he was much closer to that next tier of guys like Mark Andrews and guys like Darren Waller than he was to that quote, elite tier of Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. And so far, it's been proven out. And this is another loss that the Eagles can ill afford to have, not to mention Dallas Goddard still on the shelf. Now you have Sanders out. You've got Goddard out. You've got Ertz out. Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, wh what do you have left? And, and I understand why people are frustrated with Carson Wentz, and he has not done a great job. 
but I, you know, you got to feel for the guy a little bit. He's been really put in a tough spot here. And I don't know if any quarterback could overcome all those injuries to the surrounding parts, not to mention all the offensive line injuries and how bad they've played. So it's really difficult. This is a tough season for the Eagles. I still don't feel like they're out of it. I know you kind of feel like they are, but this, this, this division is just so bad. I mean, and remember this division only has five wins collectively, but the five wins, three of them are against themselves. <laughs> so like you got to understand right. like that's how bad they are. There's still a lot of time left where these teams are playing each other. So look, the Eagles, it's all hands on deck. It's a, it's a short week. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. There's less time to dwell on the disappointment, Greg, but this has just really not been a good season for Carson Wentz and this football team so far, and it's not getting better, it looks like. Yeah, they opened up seven and a half point favorites Thursday night at home against the Giants. That line has now crashed down to six, and my guess is uh, there'll be some influence on the dog come Thursday night as well. Giants have been really good as an underdog this year. They're not yeah. winning, but they're covered. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's take a look at a little fantasy reality as we end our show here for this Monday, the 19th of October, 2020. We'll start off with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And ask this question, true or false? But in this case, it's fantasy or reality. Through six weeks, the Pittsburgh Steelers are the best team in the NFL. Joe, is that fantasy or reality? You know what? They are absolutely in this conversation. And I think when you look at other teams in the AFC, especially like the Titans, right? There's a team that looks great right now offensively, but not defensively. And there's some other teams too. I mean, look at Seattle. They look great offensively, but not defensively. The one thing that Pittsburgh Steelers have going for them is that defense. The defense looks great. The offense is good. I don't think the offense is great. I still think that the Chiefs are the best team, and that's despite the hiccup and the loss. I look at some of the teams that the Chiefs have played already and beaten, and I think you feel, look, you beat up the Patriots there. Uh, They had a really good game plan in that game. You beat the Baltimore Ravens in their own building. That was a huge win there. So for me, I still think that it's the Chiefs. I still think the reigning, defending, undisputed Super Bowl champions are, but they're very close. So I'm going to say fantasy Pittsburgh isn't the best team, but they're certainly the best defensive team. And in a year where defense seems very sparse, to say the least, it is very hard to find to look up in any game and seeing some good defense being played for injuries or one reason or another. I don't know, Craig. I think you have to at least consider the Pittsburgh Steelers in that conversation for best team. And I know they have the great record. I understand that. They're the only undefeated left. But at the same time, offensively, I think there's still some things they have to work out. They're inconsistent sometimes. But I don't know. I still go with the Chiefs, Craig. How about you? I I would say that I agree, and and it's a fantasy, but I would tell you that my opinion is starting to change because of how well they've been able to involve Chase Claypool in the offense. Now, Mm -hmm. Chase Claypool at Notre Dame was good, but he was not used the way that the Steelers are using him, running the ball, having him over the middle. He was a guy on the outside, fade route, touchdown, and, and honestly, it's more of an indictment for me on Brian Kelly at Notre Dame than anything else. Claypool was by far my least favorite wide receiver of the core going into this group in 2020 because I saw this guy play so much on that Notre Dame offense. And I guess it just goes to show that Notre Dame at some times is considered to be still running this archaic offense and and, and always has good defense. And then when they get to the playoff, they get mashed. And that's what's happened over the last few years. Claypool it has been a shock to see how well that the Steeler ha- that Steelers have been able to acclimate him. And also, even more shocking, is that we went through the first three weeks and did not mention Claypool's name once. And that tells right. you how he has grown, and I would be willing to change my opinion on this. This this player could end up being one of the best wide receivers in the NFL if Roethlisberger can find this guy. There, there is not a player that looks like this in the NFL with a build, 
and mm-hmm. and running the ball near the goal line. And so it's a big well, surprise thing, for me. Isn't it? The way they're utilizing him in the offense is really clever. That, that's really been the, the big difference, too. I mean, it's it's not just the matchup problem that he creates, but it's also the usage and the way they use him that creates the matchup problem, too. It's not just physically him. It's the usage of physically him at times, which is really fun for Pittsburgh. And this is what they do, right? They always have good schemes. They always have good uh, situations there. And he wasn't the only Notre Dame guy to catch a touchdown, too. I know we didn't talk much about the Bears, but Cole Komet had a touchdown also. So uh, look at that. Notre Dame boys coming through yesterday. (laughs) Yeah, very surprising. Again, Notre Dame's offense was nowhere near what Pittsburgh's is. And again, players become better in the NFL. And you just have Mm -hmm. to be able to change your opinion on players. It's like the stock market. Some guys, you go in, you think one thing, and they change your opinion. And I am changing my opinion on Claypool for sure. Okay, the Houston Astros, they were down 0-3 to the Tampa Bay Rays in the American League Championship Series. They ended up winning three straight games and pushing the Rays to a seventh game and ended up losing. And now certainly we're looking at them. and, And who knows what we'll be looking at with them in 2021. George Springer is a free agent. Verlander's hurt. Could be a a different looking team, or maybe they go for it again. We're not sure. But what we're focused on here is our true or false question of the day, which is fantasy or reality. The Astros earned back respect this postseason, Joe. Is that uh, fantasy or reality? I feel like it's reality. And I think it took them going down 0-3 and showing the world, hey, we're not going to go away. We're not going to go quietly. And they won three straight games against a Tampa team that it's very good. A Tampa team that won the East, a Tampa team that basically was handling everybody pretty well. So I want to give the Astros a lot of credit. Now, people are going to take that with a great assault because I've been very pro-Astro this entire time. I kind of roll my eyes when everyone talks about sign stealing and scandals. And yes, what they did was wrong, but it's not so much what they did, it's how they did it. And yes, that was also wrong. But this is a good baseball team with good baseball players on it. And I think, at least I feel like there's a sentiment out there, it's probably not widespread, that people have a little bit more respect for this team now and say, okay, yeah, you know what, you know, they, they did some bad things, it was pretty bad, but you know what, they, they showed a lot of heart in this postseason and they came back and made it very competitive and they almost took it to the limit. So I think it's a very small amount, but I'm going to say reality. The sentiment that you're having is the mirror that you stare at when you wake up in the morning, because other than that, nobody has any respect for the Astros. Now, I personally like them, and I like players on the team, and I have relationships with players on the team, but the reality is they were under 500 during the regular season. Altuve was terrible. Correa did not live up to it, and because they showed up over a three-game period in the postseason, I don't think that's buying anybody back. Uh, I don't think anybody was rooting for them. I know maybe you were, and that's fine. I've always been a big Astros fan. I was a big Jeff Luno fan and a big A.J. Hinch fan before all this went Mm -hmm. down, and that was really hard for me to endure. I'm in that clubhouse with those guys during spring training, and I know those guys, and it hurt them, and it hurt them bad. I don't want to see anybody have to go through what they went through, but it was self-inflicted. So, no, this is a hard disagreement between you and I on this one. I think it's a fantasy. I don't think they've earned anybody's respect back if they went through those first 60 games, Joe, and they were 42 and 18 and and went down 0-3 and then came back and all that, yeah, possibly. But what they proved is they have they had a they had a much better team than they showed in the regular season and sure. and they were able to put it together for a few games. So, I understand the sentiment that you have, but I think it's yours. I don't think a lot of people share it. So I'm going to say <laughs> that's fair. Fantasy. I agree. I it. agree with you. I don't think a lot of people share the same sentiment. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm not seeing, at least that's not what I'm seeing. Maybe I'm not looking no. in the right spots, but no, I'm not seeing. No, it. I no, think a lot of right on this one. Now, now the respect for Dusty Baker, notwithstanding, is a different story. I, I, I think everybody was rooting for him. There, there's no doubt about that. Fair. But eyes on the individual teams, also the way that they have handled it, which is basically 
I I haven't seen I, I I've seen I take it back. I think Bregman's been humble. I have not seen a little humble pie from Correa and and some of the other guys on the team. You know, Verlander Correa bothered me a ton. Six runs in the postseason, just say like if Correa had a hell of a not just I, one I, I understand, he had a good but, but they, they could have Joe Joe. Listen, first of all, I agree with you. Other teams steal signs, and they were the ones who got caught. But but yeah. Correa had the option, and Altuve had the option. Sure, and Springer absolutely. had the option, and some of them had the option during this postseason to say, "Listen, we still feel really bad about what we've done. I hope that I hope this showed people that we still really are a good team." That's not the way they went about it. Okay, You're that's not, not the wrong. way they went. About it. You're not wrong. So, you know. So, and and again, I I I still am an Astros fan. I'm a fan of that organization. I know a lot mm-hmm. of people in there. They're good guys, but I just don't think the general perception outside of Dusty is is that they're getting any respect. And, and and look, all those guys in a few years will either be gone or all around the league, and then the mm-hmm. Astros will be a different team, and I don't think we'll deal with it anymore. But mm-hmm. that's just where I'm at with it. Okay, so uh, they're back again here, Joe. And this is not Johnny Damon, of course. This is Matt Damon <laughs> and Ben Affleck. This is not a, a fantasy baseball conversation. This is a theater conversation. They have decided to come back. And it's for uh, a good cause, obviously. They're getting involved with another project, Joe. And why don't you tell us a little bit more about the project and whether or not you are sick and tired of, of, the, of, of these. <laughs> well, look, what they're trying to do is they're trying to raise some funds and, and help some people. And that's what these guys do. They've always been very philanthropic. And they're doing more goofy social media stuff together. And I got to tell you, I, I am not over the bromance. So it is... It is a fantasy. I'm not over it. I still think they're very funny. In fact, in this thing, they're holding up these signs like, hey, you can check me out. Uh, you know, Jason Bourne's going to be there. And then Ben Affleck's holding up a thing. He says, hey, I'm Batman, too. And and Matt Damon goes, really? Robert Pattinson's coming? I love this. I think it's very funny that they constantly, they're like, you know, 30 years later, they're still going at it with each other. And they're still giving each other crap, which is what real friends do. So I like this. I Look, I thought Argo was a really good movie. I, I did not care for Ben Affleck as Batman, but I'll give him a pass on that. It's a hard thing to do is be Batman after Christian Bale. But, you know, I'm a big fan of the Bourne movies. Obviously, Good Will Hunting was great. I still enjoy the nonsense between these two guys. Uh, so, for me, still a cool bromance. I like these guys, and especially when they're doing things for a good cause. I, I'm all about that. So, what about you? Are you yeah. over the yeah. Affleck and Damon bromance? Yeah, I, I don't feel like I've heard a lot from them over the last few years. So I would say fantasy. I'm not sick of it. I could take it. I think that they're good together. And I think that some of the stuff they've done has been very funny through the years and clearly goodwill hunting at the start of that. So yeah, I'll say fantasy for that. I could find a lot of other things that I'd be sick of seeing. But this is not one <laughs> oh, of them. I'm sure. No, and, and look, they did a lot of funny bits, too, with uh, with Jimmy Kimmel over the years, too, where, you know, they're like in relationships with Jimmy Kimmel. And it's like, I, I like when the, those folks don't take each other themselves so seriously. And you got me in Hollywood, right? When you've won Oscars and you have all these moments, right, that they can still at this point in their lives not take themselves so seriously and make fun of each other and, and do it for a good cause and raising money for some funds in Africa and all these other things that they've done. Good job by them. And you know what? We should have more of this, too. And then, look, they've taken their lumps, these guys, too. Don't forget. And they're still coming back and have a pretty good sense of humor. Yep. Okay, coming up next, it's time for the Sports Grid 60. So make sure you stay with us. Joe and I will be back here on the Tuesday edition of the show. We recap tonight's two Monday night football games. But we'll wrap our show up for today right after this. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. Matt Rule, the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, says that Christian McCaffrey still iffy for this week. Could play, maybe not. Either way, if you're an owner of Mike Davis, you've gotten a lot more than you possibly could have asked. So to say at this point, you'd be disappointed if he didn't play? Of course you would. But realistically speaking, what did you expect? McCaffrey on the mend, on the way back over the next couple of weeks. That is for sure. All right, let's close it out today with the Sports Grid 60. And first, let's turn it over to Joe. What you got? It was a great moment for Tua Tagovailoa sitting at the 15-yard line after the game yesterday. He had a moment where he got back on the field after almost a year where his career was in jeopardy. I can't imagine the gravity of that moment and the fact he was sharing it with his family is definitely a beautiful thing. But as he's looking down the field, I think all you could see is the future. The future is this kid is healthy. The future is this kid is one of the best kids you'll ever meet anywhere the competitive nature the football acumen the athleticism all those things so although this was a very short start for him getting just two passes but he was two for two for them it's only the beginning for an hopefully a very long nfl career for Tua because it's been a long road back and i think we could all say after sunday that was one of the nicer moments that we're going to ever see in the nfl yeah, for sure. We'll see what the Dolphins end up doing if they keep winning, how long Tua waits, or maybe he starts playing a little bit more each week. We'll just certainly have to see, although there was really no threat to Tua yesterday against the Jets. <laughs> All right, so the college football season has been solid. It's been fun. We've had some COVID postponements for sure, but it does feel like there's something missing from this season, and that thing that is missing is back this week as the Big Ten is back, and that player that has been missing from the college football season is Justin Fields, the quarterback of Ohio State. Now, I understand that Trevor Lawrence, who's been my favorite quarterback for the last two years, without a doubt, is going to be the number one pick overall in the draft. But do not sleep on the idea that Fields could be the best quarterback in the draft. It's certainly possible. We've seen stranger things happen before. The Big Ten is back this week. Ohio State, of course, played for that championship took out Clemson. It will be great to see them back on the field as well as Alabama and as well as the Clemson Tigers as we've seen over the past month. That'll do it for the show. Thanks again to tuning in. Thanks again to our folks at LTN. Danny, Brett, and my co-host Joe Pizzapia. I'm Craig Mish. We will see you tomorrow at noon. Have a great day, everybody. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.